Hello and welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today I'm with actually my newest internet friend, Dr. Peter, Peter Pearson. Peter Pearson picked a peck of pickled peppers. I can do that. Dr. Peter Pearson, who is a relationship coach who specializes in entrepreneur couples. How are you, Peter? Oh, I am terrific, Rich. Hey, listen, and I appreciate the invite for today. I really do. And man, whatever I can do to support your work in this world, hallelujah. And vice versa. I love, love, love that you work with entrepreneurial couples. I'm, I actually am an entrepreneurial couple. Not only am I Gemini, but my wife is a hardcore entrepreneur. And I have an entrepreneurial, all my life, I have done nothing but entrepreneurial work. I've done this much working for other people under my belt. And uh, the question I ask everyone on the radio show, well, is it a radio show, podcast, video, blog, whatever, is how did your heart lead you into this work? Well, it was a com- actually, it was a combination of heart and a lot of dialogues with my wife, Ellen. When we first got together, we thought, you know, it would, and we were both psychologists at the time, and we thought, you know, it might be nice if we could do something together. So we would go out in the backyard over a glass of wine and brainstorm all kinds of ideas. Oh, how about a restaurant? Oh, what would be good about that? Or what would not be so good about that? And for about six months, we just brainstormed ideas about what we might do. And then about a year after we were together, we were on our way to Australia to do a workshop Mm -hmm. and we were putting the final touches on the program at the Bally Hyatt. And we thought couples, what happened? What what do you think would happen if we just started specializing in working with couples? And it just rang a bell and we said, why not? And that was the genesis of creating the Couples Institute. Uh, writing books together for the public and for therapists and for doing training around the world was that inspired discussion in the Bally Hyatt. I love the way you worked at it together, the way you brainstormed together. And you didn't just go to an answer, but you sort of digested it and let it uh, percolate, or maybe it's more like yeast, you know, um, expanding in the bread. That's a great story. Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that when couples start to because see, I'm a I'm a big, big, big believer in couples creating a vision uh, for their relationships. I've got a dog having a dream here. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're a bit, it's a little distracting. You're big. Well, listen, talking about dreams, that's what we help couples do. Awesome. Because it's the dream. It's the vision which pulls them forward. I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's the dream that that gets our attention focused on something bigger than ourselves so that we can skip around often the resentments and the self-defenses and the protections. Makes perfect sense. You know, what I do, uh, I also do work with individuals who are divorcing someone they feel is sort of toxic on the other side. And it is usually it's their their children are really what drive them to do that. It's they want to they want what's best for their children. Or when I'm working with couples who are in high conflict, if we can help them to focus on one thing that's common, that's more important than their own story. You know, usually we can work through it. It Makes perfect sense. Well, I think that must come up a lot with entrepreneurs. Oh, well, first of all, I really like entrepreneurs uh, for a really particular reason. A, they're results oriented. And mm-hmm. B, 
they have extraordinary attitudes about their business, but they don't practice them in their marriage. But if they practice the intuitive skills in their business about how to treat customers, how to grow their business, how to deal with mistakes, how we learn instead of think we are a failure, they go into it expecting it's going to take effort and they're willing to do the work. And if they had that same attitude in their marriage, we don't coast, we keep working at making it better. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, a lot of couples who come to me, I do high conflict marital mediation and the, they've slipped into it because they slipped into almost parallel lives where they're working on their individual lives and they stopped focusing on their marital dynamics. So that makes perfect, perfect sense what you're saying. Well, it's interesting. I think when couples are struggling, there are three major ways that they can improve their marriage. One is desperation. Mm -hmm. The second is negotiation. And the third is inspiration. Mm -hmm. Now, desperation is basically when a crisis shows up. Like right now in California, there are forest fires here, unbelievable. They are moving 50,000 people have to evacuate their homes in one part of California. Wow. Houses are burning down. They look over the horizon and say, honey, the fire's coming our way. Uh, there are earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes, medical illnesses, uh, et cetera. So often when a crisis hits, a couple will put aside their resentments, their pet peeves, and they will start focusing on how do we get out of this together? Mm -hmm. And they start communicating, prioritizing, following through like champions. Yep. Now, the problem is, unfortunately, after the crisis is over, they tend to go back to the old set ways of doing business. Uh, so that's kind of the downside of depending on a crisis. The second way couples can improve their relationship is through negotiation. Mm -hmm. I'll do this if you do that. And it's kind of basic negotiation. And that works until one spouse says, honey, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, really? Let me tell you about you. And then the negotiation <laughs> approach tends to break down. Makes now, the, makes sense. The, Third is what we were just hitting on, which is inspiration, mm -hmm. which is, see, when you just solve problems, like through negotiation, solving problems doesn't bring happiness. It brings relief, not happiness. Happiness comes from a different part of the brain that's creative, that's generative, mm -hmm. that's inspired. When couples get an inspired dream, they recognize it's bigger than both of us. How do we bring it about? And so they start collaborating on something that brings them out of the ordinary, brings them out of the usual way of doing business because now they're stretching and reaching for a goal that inspires both of them. And in a sense, we, we know this to be true. Martin Luther King Jr. did not say, I have an idea. He did not say, I have a plan. No, he said, I have, I have a dream. And that's what inspires us. I have a dream. Uh, actually, it shows up in, in two really strange ways. I was talking to a woman one time, 
And she said, my uncle was a kamikaze survivor in World War II. And I went, boy, that's got to be a small group of people. Uh (laughs) I said, what happened? And she said, the day before um, he was scheduled to go on a kamikaze run, the emperor surrendered. And I said, what was your uncle's reaction to that? And she said, he was really depressed Mm. because he was committed and wanted to do something for the emperor and his country and it was taken away he had a dream about his contribution he wanted to do something for a bigger picture and in america we have our own version of that when patrick henry said give me liberty or give me death uh something is bigger than ourselves and that's what pulls people forward to make them do the work put aside their differences and collaborate through inspiration and to the degree inspiration gives you a reason to change and grow instead of like most couples come into therapy with the hope that the therapist is going to reform their partner and they each look to the other to change and that that has limits but when they can create a mission a vision uh, and be inspired to do something bigger that requires cooperation, men, then they really start paying attention to each other. Got it. So uh, an entrepreneurial couple finds you and they're, they're in the thick of it. You know, that, that good stuff that couples, you, they've sort of lost their way in their marriage. Um, they've both been very intensely focused on growing their own dreams, their own mission, their own businesses. Uh, maybe they have children. They probably do, I would guess, because uh, usually when there's children, they're more concerned. They, they find, I mean, if there's no children, they can just cut up the assets and it's easy. But if there are children, you've taken that giant step in living that the original dream that you as a couple had together. And it's a lot harder to dismantle a dream when you've taken a giant step. So they call you up and what's the first thing that happens? What I guess well, I really want to know is what makes these entrepreneurs different than the average Joe or Sally? Oh, what a great question. And it's why I like working with them. Entrepreneurs, first of all, are results oriented and successful entrepreneurs have a set of expectations that unfortunately they do not apply to their marriage. Every successful entrepreneur starts their business with the idea that I expect to work at this. I expect to put in some sweat, mm-hmm. effort, and take risks with no guarantee of success. And they say, okay, and I have to experiment like heck. Because if there's one thing that every entrepreneur faces, it's unexpected problems. So they expect they're going to have to change, to pivot, to redirect, reprioritize. And they do it without feeling like there's something wrong with me. I am failing because I'm hitting problems in my work. No, they just say, next, what do I need to do to figure this out? And it's that attitude of not taking mistakes personally, that attitude of I am going to continue. I'll be discouraged, but it won't stop me. I will keep going. It's that attitude that if both people practice in their marriage, they will really start to hum and click. So they come to you because they've put all that in their business, but they've sort of taken their marriage for granted, it sounds like. 
that's exactly what happens. And they tend to think they, it's like when you start a business, that's where your energy goes. And sometimes the other spouse gets a little bit jealous or envious or feels left out because they don't have a together dream. And the spouse of the entrepreneur sometimes thinks, well, if I encourage my entrepreneurial spouse too much, I'm going to lose them even more. So they start going, yes, but, yes, but, you know, negative, negative, thinking maybe if they slow down the entrepreneur, that will strengthen the connection in the marriage. Big mistake. So, you know, folks, I just want to, anyone who's listening, if you're not an entrepreneur, by the way, this still applies to you. It may apply to you even more. I mean, what you need to get here is that any marriage that's been taken, anyone who feels taken for granted their marriage, any marriage where it's been that parallel lives thing, where things aren't as juicy as you'd like them to be, it, it, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You just need to have the attitude of an entrepreneur. You need to have Thank that, you, Rich. that all in. I'm going to make it work. Uh, I'm going to set back. No problem. I'll work through it. I'm willing to sacrifice to have this work. And my, my big question for you, Dr. Pearson, is does that need to be one-sided or two-sided or can it be either? Well, it has to be a team effort. And that's what I, and if you're really going to work as a team, you, and I think this is absolutely essential because every successful team, athletic, et cetera, has one thing, which is they know the strengths of other people and they work at bringing out the best in the other person. So what I will often have couples, entrepreneur or not, I say, if you're gonna get through this together, uh, I'm gonna ask you guys to do a little homework to strengthen yourselves as an individual and respect the team approach. And I like the acronym, some people know it for team, um, which is T-E-A-M, together each accomplishes more. And that's what I want to help them do is work as a team. So sometimes I'll give them the homework. I want each of you right now, say in the office, I want each of you to write down three things that your partner does better than you do. Mm. After you write them down. It can't be he's better at yelling. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Thank you. But that, but that oh. probably won't help. Listen, you've been there. I appreciate that, Rich. You. You've been there. I want to make sure the audience gets it. These are positives we're looking for here. These are positives. Three things that your spouse does better than you. And then after each one, write down why you value and appreciate them. Now, the second thing I will do after they write it down, I will say, Charlie, what do you think Sue wrote that she appreciates about you? Because I want them to start thinking more in a bigger picture and about the other person and, and what's it like to be in the other person's brain. Mm -hmm. So they each speculate what the other person put down. And then I'll say, why do you think they put that down? We'll check out in a minute whether or not you're correct. So then they each guess, they speculate, we discuss about that, then they share, here's what I think you do that's better than me and I appreciate. Then other questions I will ask them, ask each other is, honey, um, if I'm going to bring out the best in you, what would I need to do? And that makes it a little more collaborative so you can build on strengths, but you also have the other side of the coin. If I'm going to bring out the worst in you, what do I do? 
most of us already know how to do that. <laughs> uh, and I, say, I think actually I agree with you. It's probably important to articulate it because a lot of times we are bringing the worst out in one another totally unconsciously without thinking about it. Exactly. But by writing it out, we get to go, oh, I really do know the answer to this. And, and, I, how now, often, and now I can watch for it. And how often do we ever get asked by our partner, if I'm going to bring out the worst in you, what do I need to do to do that? They go, oh, my God, they're interested in both sides of me. Yeah. Um, another way to help trigger the dream is to say to each other, if you had unlimited time and money, what would you want to do or have or create or build? If you had unlimited time and money, it's a way of giving them to stretch the imagination um, and work as a team to do that. So these are ways that I want to help them uh, brainstorm a I vision. Love, I love the time and money. Or some people do it as a magic wand or if you had three wishes or you know, the idea being that whatever limitations you think you have, you know, how would you, how would it, how would you, what change, what would the change be? And then you can start to look at, is the limitation real or is it just between my ears? And, you know, hopefully most of the time it's just between our ears. Um, Dr. Pearson, Peter, I'm going to stop calling you Dr. Pearson. Peter, uh, I understand that you have uh, something you want to offer our audience. Oh, this is great. Thanks for asking. Uh, we call it the candor solution for the entrepreneurial couple. Candor is an acronym standing for the C for commitment, because when entrepreneurs start, they're committed to do the best they can and give it their best shot. And the A stands for appreciation and acknowledgement of their customers, their affiliates, people who work for them. Uh, and N stands for negotiation. How do you negotiate? And the more skilled you are as a negotiator, the more likely you are going to create a win-win kind of solution. Mm -hmm. So learn the negotiation skills. So, and then the D in candor is for decision-making. And there are three kinds of decision-making that once you know the, the ways that people decide, basically it can save you a lot of struggle. Uh, and frustration. And then the O stands for ownership. When you make a mistake, own it. Mm. There's nothing that makes you more endearing to your spouse than when you own when you screw up True. instead of excuses. Or blame. <laughs> or blame or alibis. And then the R is for clear roles and responsibilities. Now a good entrepreneur practices all of these in their business. We think if you practice them in your marriage as well, you're going to jumpstart your marriage into a lot more satisfaction. Amen. I'm with that 100%. So I will send a link that you can post, Rich, and people can download the Candor Solution and see it all spelled out for them. Yeah, we will have it in the notes for this, uh, whatever, however you're receiving this, whether you're receiving it as a podcast or a video blog or whatever, it'll be in the notes and please feel free to reach out and how can folks reach you if they have any questions or if they want to be in contact for any reason oh just go to uh our website couplesinstitute.com couplesinstitute.com and actually there's a lot of good free resources there to grow your relationship on the couples blog um a lot of things that will help clear out some of the stuff uh and and lessons 
that I, I used to be a grave digger when I was in college. So I wrote a blog on lessons from a grave digger about a certain kind of marriage. Uh, so there's some interesting things and lessons from the British Navy of 200 years ago that can help your marriage a lot today. And it's not about discipline. Uh, <laughs> I love a man who knows how to use a shovel. And uh, I'm serious, very important tool in life. Before I ask you the final question, also, I want any of our friends who are listening to this, who are uh, counselors or therapists or who were interested in working in couples with any way that Peter and his wife also train therapists in their particular modality and in this idea of uh, taking entrepreneurial ideas and applying them to marriages. So you can find them on their website. And uh, what's your website, sir? Couplesinstitute.com. Yeah, and obviously Peter is very knowledgeable. I'm sure that's an amazing program. The question that I wanna ask you that I ask everybody on the show is, Peter Pearson, what is the legacy you want to leave behind? Well, what an interesting question, one that I ponder a lot and occasionally just reevaluate it. <laughs> but I think at the core, what I would like it when I'm gone is for our children to say, I am really glad he was my father. And for my wife to say, God, he was an interesting guy. <laughs> And I think That's very sweet that you're sure you're, that she's going to outlive you. I like that. <laughs> well, statistically, you're, you that's a big probability. So it, it's a probability. Uh, and then I think for the people I work with, if I can help couples um, jumpstart their relationship to work as a team. Uh, and then we have therapists in 56 countries who are training. Mm -hmm. And if we can help these therapists help their couples, I'm, I've lived a full life. Um, I've lived a full life. I'd say you're probably a good way of the way there. That's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful legacy. Actually, if you want to know the truth, Rich, I have already exceeded any believable goal I had as an adolescent. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I actually think you've probably exceeded a lot of what you just said you just stay alive so that they don't have to think those good things <laughs> and you can just keep building this legacy such a pleasure to meet you and uh you know oh rich i would like to jump in one more time to Go say for, for a communication tip that i tell couples which is how it, if would they really like to learn how to win every argument would they like to learn how to win every disagreement would they like to learn how to win every discussion? And they can do it if they remember one thing to ask because curiosity is the key to growing a good marriage. In every discussion, when it starts to go off the track, if one person just remembers enough to say to their, to their spouse, when, what's important now, honey, in this discussion? If they can remember to ask, What's important now? It'll save a lot of trying to read minds, guessing what they want. It, it helps the other person get clear on what they want in this discussion. And it makes it go a lot smoother if each asks the other one, what's important now to you? Wonderful, wonderful. All right, thank you so much for being on the show. 
such a pleasure to meet you. And I hope that we get to stay in touch after this. Rich, thank you. And thank you again for the, in, uh, for the invitation. I really appreciate it. And what a treat to meet you. Uh, vice versa.